the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to The Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. The problem is it's showing at a number of theaters here in San Antonio, right? Yeah. All right. All right. We'll get to the hello, everyone. This is the Soapster. Jacob is alongside me. We're ready for another edition of the Bible Live uh, program, the quiz show here on this great station. So uh, stay with us here. Now, we're we're going to have a very special guest. This after, this morning, this evening, goodness gracious, uh-huh. daylight savings time has got my brain boggled, I'm telling you, I, I don't like it, I, I lose Is that the hour. opposite that we have nighttime unsavings time? <laughs> I, I have not so. saved any daylight during this nighttime. Know, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't like it, I never have liked it, I just, I miss that hour of sleep all summer long till we get it back later in the fall, I, I, it's just my... Uh, my particular awesome. way of stuff. Well, yeah, we're doing some work here. We've got a great special guest coming up in the program tonight. We're going to talk with uh, Tim Mahoney, who is the um, producer of – I guess, I don't know if the word producer is the right word, Jacob. But uh, he is the producer of a movie that is uh, – It's a, actually, there's a series. They're called Patterns of Evidence. Uh, there has been one other before this, and I've forgotten the title of it that it had. Do you remember the first movie, Jacob? Uh, yes, I pa- do. Patterns of Evidence. Yes, it was Patterns of Evidence about Exodus. About the Exodus. All right. Now then, uh, Tim has come out with a new movie called Patterns of Evidence, The Moses Controversy. And oh. since this program is all about the Bible... 
It's about all things biblical and letting you hear. You get a chance to hear. If you didn't know this, I want you to know, if you happen to cross this station, you're just now learning, there is a program here in San Antonio Monday through Friday where in the evening, at 930 in the evening, you can turn to this station, this same station, and you can hear the, the Bible the entire Bible every year. We read through the entire Bible, a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. Right now we are in the Gospel of Luke, and uh, we'll be discussing our readings from this past week, our, uh, the passages we read uh, this evening. That's what we do on Sunday evening, but you can tune in and hear the Bible. And so we, our, our passion and our hope is that you will uh, learn to love that great book and, and the message that it brings to us and get to know the author. Uh, who is God himself. So, uh, and we, that is why this movie is so important. That's why I'm coming back to that. Tim ah. has created uh, another movie here uh, about the scriptures and a very, very scholarly, very uh, in-depth view and understanding of some of these questions about the Bible, the, the, some of the historical evidence in terms of uh, the veracity, the reliability of the scriptures. Uh, this particular movie, Patterns of Evidence, The Moses Controversy, has to do with the authorship of the Torah, uh, Jewish tradition, of course, and um, uh, evangelical Christians uh, examining the evidence, evidence, the historical evidence for the writings of the book, the books of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, uh, attribute that to Moses writing and, of course, being a primary source uh, for the information. Now, uh, the movie that Tim has made is confronts the issue, the controversy, that started uh, probably 100 years ago with uh, a, man, a man named Wellhausen. Well, well, Jacob actually, has yes. told us this story before. Well, that's right. Wellhausen is the progenitor. Actually, he read an article by a guy from Sweden. So I actually have researched this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wellhausen became the the darling of uh, saying the Bible was totally made up by different sources. Mm-hmm. Then his source, he died wouldn't be just before Hitler came in, and then Hitler was actually adapted his studies to what they wanted to revise the Bible to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, so this is it's a significant controversy. The, some of you may have heard of the of the authorship. Instead of being uh, Moses, that they're attributing the authorship to a series of people who uh, uh, J E P D yeah, has to do right, with yeah. the names of God, Jehovah. Uh, uh, well, well, the P was the priest, yeah. By the way, can uh, Jehovah, I... Jehovah, uh, yeah. what was the E? The, the, uh, 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 who knows? Uh, so, uh, it's all silly. It's another right. name of God, though, yeah. right? Well, uh, probably. The El- Elohist. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, but i got to tell you something funny. Mm-hmm. Just a moment ago, since you're talking about the book, the Bible, mm-hmm. John said, which I thought was kind of cute, he said, have we ever attended a book signing for the Bible? <laughs> and I said, yes, there was one book signing at Mount Sinai. <laughs> Very, very good. Uh, and Moses was there. God was there. They, they. Okay. Um, so anyway, th- th- this book, Patterns of Evidence, confronts that controversy about this idea that there were different authors of uh, of the book over uh, centuries, and therefore, um, now, now it's more complicated. Than, and, and folks, you're going to learn a lot tonight. So stay with us uh, about the way we view. 
these, uh, particularly the Torah and the authorship of Moses. Jesus himself uh, attributes the writing to Moses. So this is, it's an important issue, but it's not just, uh, I think it's going to change the way we understand in our minds how the scriptures came to us. It's not going to undermine any t- any way the authorship, but we have to have a, a and Tim is going to help straighten us out. It's a, I've, I've seen the movie. Jake and I have both been given uh, opportunity to see the movie ahead of time. Uh, we've previewed it, and it's going to come to San Antonio on March the 14th, the 16th, and the 19th. That's a Thursday, a Saturday, and a Tuesday. It's going to be at the Regal Alamo uh, uh, Theater in the Quarry, the Embassy 14 uh, Santicos. Um, it's going to be at Cinemax, uh, McCreelis Market, and Live Oak at Pat Booker. That's right. So we've got a number. Of course, if, we'll, we'll say those over and again, but you might want to Google uh, Patterns of Evidence, the Moses Controversy, and find out the theater nearest to you and the times of those showings. But they're on March the 14th, Thursday, March the 16th, Saturday, and March the 19th, the following Tuesday. Uh, great, great movie that anybody who's interested in, in, in these kinds of things, uh, it's a tremendous documentary, lots of detail. Uh, you'll, you'll greatly, greatly enjoy it. So we're going to vi- be visiting with Tim Mahoney. He's going to call in just a little bit and talk to him about the book, about the authorship of these uh, and, and his approach and what he learned from it himself. The, you're going to find the movie itself is very even-handed. He, he, he speaks to uh, many who are critics uh, who, who still are working with that, that uh, old information from 100 years ago about the JEPD, the different names. Um, I'm trying to think. Elohim is that? That's the uh, Elohim. Uh, okay. The, uh, the, 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 they make – they – Create a multiple authorship based on the names used of, of for God in the books, <clears throat> and uh, the P is the priestly, and the uh, D is the Deuteronomic or something uh, like Deuter- that. Yes, and the J is uh, actually since it's J and Hebrew doesn't uh, have a J, it's actually representing the Y. The Y, okay. Yahweh, like the Y M C A. But here's the catch: <laughs> if um, is something I should tell you that uh, I've I've also read a couple of books because I've been curious about. You've them. read a book? Yes, I did. Didn't even know you could yes. read. Goodness well, gracious! Well, thank That's you, right. John. Thank you. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, but also, if you go to like, if you watch the lectures at Yale, University of Michigan, Harvard, um, the different colleges, uh-huh. all these places that were originally, of course, theological institutions. But they're all teaching this, that the Bible was not written by, by Moses. This, but it's an accumulated collective effort by different authors over different centuries. Now, I've had this. In fact, Soapy, you know, mm-hmm. you were with me one night when somebody said that. And I raised my hand. I said, it says Moses wrote it. If it says Moses wrote it and he did not write it, there's a word for that in our language, and it's called forgery. And I said, so it can't be a forgery. And so if it is a forgery, why do I waste our time on it? So I've gone through all the great arguments, and I have spent time looking at this. I've read the attacks. And then I went back and I read the other side of the academia by the other scholars that have absolutely destroyed the attacker's argument. Uh So I'm very convinced it's from Moses, from God. Yeah, and and what we're going to find out tonight, and what you're going to learn, folks, if you stay with us, is you're going to get some insight into how these things happen, how they work, how scholars work. Uh, and 
I think what's going to do is your particular understanding of how the um, Torah, the first five books of the of the Bible, the old, the Hebrew Scriptures, how uh, how it works and how how it was developed and how it came to us, and it's not just clear cut. I think. One of the things that I've kind of come out of this with Jacob, and I'm interested in talking to Tim about it, is if my understanding and my view and kind of when I imagine in my mind Moses writing and and so on, if my understanding of how that happened specifically is is correct. After watching his movie, I I think he will tell me, no, you're wrong. You're you're wrong, Sophie. It wasn't exactly that particularly straightforward. And when, so you'll see and what I mean, say folks. When he calls in, you and I'll talk to him, give him a chance to give the background, a visit, uh-huh, uh-huh. and then we'll go to the break. And then after the break, we can come back on, and we can maybe take some callers. So if you would like to call in and visit with this man that's been with all the experts on both sides of the argument, do we have a phone number where they could call in? No, we don't. I'm so oh, sorry man. about that. That's, that's really disappointing. That's, it is. It would be better if we had a phone. Let's see if I can get one here. Well, okay, I got one. Okay, what is it? What is it? Tell us. <laughs> area code 210. Area code 210-340-90. Oops. 340-9585. Yeah, let's put that together like it was rehearsed. Uh, you would think after all yeah. these years uh, I would know yeah, our well, phone yeah, number. That's right. Well, that's okay. Maybe the years is Three four zero ninety five eighty five. All right. It's that daylight savings time. Right. It's wreaking havoc with my brain. Three four zero nine five eight five. I mean, normally I have a brilliant brain. It works and functions. Well, I, I mean, it's just like you know, it's like a steel trap. But I tell you, that's daylight saving time just messes me up good. Anyway, okay. So Tim is going to be with us in a bit. Now, our particular readings for this past week all came from the Gospel of Luke. So we're not looking at the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, in our readings this past week. And we'll get some time to reflect back on that as well and and talk about it uh, from the Gospel of Luke. This, As you know, the, uh, Matthew talked about Jesus the King and talking about his, uh, uh, his role as Messiah, a King of the Jews. Uh, he has a Jewish perspective in his writing, the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Mark talks about the servant-hearted uh, aspect of the Messiah, how he goes from place to place, person to person, family to family, healing, uh, instructing, guiding, teaching, uh, and serving. His servant heart of the Messiah is emphasized in the Gospel of Mark. Now in the Gospel of Luke, who uh, this writer, this uh, Greek physician, actually, he's the only non-Jewish author of, of the New Testament books, um, Luke uh, wrote the Gospel of Luke. He wrote the book of Acts as well, Very both of them very long his, history, um, historic uh, perspectives of the life of the Messiah. Luke, uh, I think, wrote from the perspective of uh, Peter and, and John Mark. And uh, he then wrote the Gospel of Luke that we'll be looking at, that, we re- that we've read, and we'll finish reading this coming week and then go back to the book of First Samuel in the Hebrew Scriptures. But uh, we'll get to our discussion of the Gospel of Luke, but I think right now, is Tim on the line already? Yes. Good. Yeah, Let's here. just go and bring up our very, very special guest and get a chance to visit with him. Tim, we're so honored to have you on the program tonight. Thanks for joining us. Uh oh, let me see. I'm not Uh-oh. getting him. Push that button. Would you do that? Just push that button up there for me. Mm-hmm. I think Tim is on the line yeah, with John us. John, turn me up a little bit too. Thanks, Tim, for Hi. joining us. 
Hi, how are you? We're good so to, glad to, to hear on. from you. We're honored to have you on the program tonight. Thanks. Well, well, thank you. We're super, super happy that you're moving. I got a chance to view it last night, and wow, I'm just full of enthusiasm and uh, questions, actually. I'm, I'm, I've learned a lot, even... Uh, myself after all these years. Uh, my name is Soapy Tim, Soapy Dollar. I'm Native American, Mescalero Apache, and we have unusual names, you know, Screaming Eagle, Running Bear. All the really cool names got taken, and they ended up with Soapy Dollar somehow. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm so honored to be with you. I've, I've been uh, following, a uh, follower of Jesus since I was very young. I've been uh, 50 years on the mission field with Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, and uh, we help uh, Jacob and I team up and present this program for the last 15, 16, 17 years. I've forgotten how many uh, years actually, now. Actually, you're 24. I'm at 7. Reading through the Bible every year for our great city of San Antonio and uh, 39 counties of South Texas. So we give people a chance to hear the Bible itself. Every, word, every verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible, we read through the entire Bible every year, 15 to 20-minute reading every weeknight in the entire Bible mm. every year. And we just love these uh, the, the works. That, your first movie, uh, Patterns of Evidence, uh, I think that had to do with the Exodus, if I remember correctly. Yes, that's right. And now the, the taking – I'm so glad – you're bringing us up to date with this Moses controversy, uh, and so we want you to be able to talk about it freely and tell our audience what it's about, why you took on that particular question. It's going to be here in our city, I want to repeat for our listeners, on Thursday the 14th of March, Saturday the 16th, that's this, this, this week it's coming up, and then next Tuesday the 19th, it's going to be at the Regal Alamo Quarry theater the embassy 14 it's going to be at cinemax mccreelis market and the live oak um uh, theater in um, on pat booker so we'll be telling folks that and telling them where they can go into the internet and google it and find out you know the times that the that the movies are going to be projected and all but let's talk to you quickly now let's just get down to uh tim why in the world are you doing these movies i mean actually Sophie, that's exactly what i <laughs> tim if you don't mind i'd like to start off with a little bit if you give us a little if, you, if you're comfortable with it sure a little bit about yeah, your background sure. and tell us what made you what motivated you to make these kind of movies well, that's a that's a good question. I I oh, yeah, didn't know that I would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Well, first, good question. Uh, I didn't realize that I would be making these kinds of movies, but I, I'll share with you that I have been interested in the Bible for a long time. And some sometimes in our lives, we can look back and we can see all the mileposts that sort of got us to where we are today. And uh, I saw a film. I didn't go to movies, by the way. I, I grew up in a home that we, we didn't. The TV broke, and, and I grew up in a single parent home. Uh, my, my father was a police officer and, a, and a, a former Korean War vet, and he had a lot of you know issues in his life. What branch and, of the service uh, did he serve in? He was a, he was airborne. How about that? So he, I work with the uh, I work with our people out at Lackland Air Force Base now that we've been for many years working in our. Our, our military ministry with Campus Crusade. So that he, so I thought maybe he was an airman. All right, I'm sorry to interrupt. My, I'm just... my, well, that no, that's okay. My father was in the Korean War uh-huh. at a place called Pork Chop Hill. Oh my! And he was a decorated a Silver Star, Purple Heart, and uh, and then my father reenlisted in the Gulf War. 
Uh-huh. And because of his police, and he was a policeman and a, a state highway patrol uh, trooper, he was able to reenlist, and and he's then worked in the motor pool. And uh, but my folks divorced when I was eleven, and my mother put an awful lot of trust. We grew up on welfare, mm-hmm. and uh, and we didn't have a lot. And and we would pray. My mom would read the Bible every night. And so I always believed in the stories of the Bible. And and so the one question you asked is, well, you know, there's a couple things that came together here. One was being a filmmaker, and another one was being a, a believer, being raised in a Christian home, believing in the stories of the Bible, believing that the, the things that were written in the Bible were true. That's the way I was raised. But I suspect, but like I, most, of, most of us who have had that experience, I came to faith when I was eight years old. But later on, when you're a teenager, you start, you know, getting into, col- you know, school and college. You begin to wonder, is this really true what I've been believing? And I, I suspect that was part of the, your dynamic as well. You had to, you had to begin to ask the deeper, more adult questions about the book. You know, is is what I'm believing? Is that is that kind of what happened? You began to had to answer the tough questions and about its reliability, its truthfulness. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I didn't have as many questions growing up mm-hmm. because I I saw my mother's faith and my grandmother's faith, and I I believed. Mm-hmm. And I'll just share with you that I went to see a movie when I was 18 years old called The Hiding Place, and it was a Billy Graham film. Sure, and it was the it was the first time I'd ever been in a theater, and that began. It was about this, that Dutch lady who hid Jews yeah. away. What was her name? Um, uh, Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom. Right. Yep. And, and I and that began in my my mind. And I remember sitting in a theater one time because remember I grew up without TV. I never went to a movie. I went to the movie the first time I was eighteen years old. <laughs> this this sort of small voice in my heart said, "Someday you're going to make movies. Is that you're right? going to have a movie." <laughs> and and I, and I, and that then led me eventually to become uh, after two years of college, I was going to go into radio. I loved radio. Uh, and uh, and then I heard about a film school, and that began my my journey. And this was almost forty years ago to uh, uh, to consider being a, a filmmaker. But it took a long time for me to become uh, to make films that I'm making today. And well, we're certainly glad question, you stuck with it. <laughs> well, thank you. The really question you asked is, well, when did that doubt come in? It wasn't until I went to the far side of the world and went to where the Israelites were to have lived. Mm-hmm. And you saw this in our first film. I went to a, 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 a dig site where an Egyptologist had been digging where the Israelites lived. And I said, have you found evidence of the Exodus? So, and, he sa- and he said, so far, not. And I just couldn't believe what he was saying. Here, this man had been digging for 30 years. And I went to this place where the Israelites were to have lived, and he told me there wasn't any evidence for it. Uh-huh. And that was when I came home. I was very disturbed by that. And that's when I had, uh, I was sitting in my edit suite and uh, watching this footage on a Saturday. And as I watched it, uh, this thought came into my mind. And the, I felt the room got cold almost. And the thought came to mind everything that your family has believed is a lie. Mm. Mm, yeah, uh, and and that's when I had a crisis of faith. I was probably forty five years old. But you know, uh, we have to we have to face that we have to face that possibility, right? I mean, if we're going to be honest, we have to be courageous enough to face that possibility. And, I, and I, that's what I really admire about 
the fact that you not only had that moment, but you went and actually did something about it. That's that's astounding, and I'm so glad that you did. Well, you know, there are things that come into our lives, and that's what I like to share with your your audience is that is that there that voice that that was there. I don't believe it was it was it was a voice that. That was. I think there are different voices in the world, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's the voice of the Lord, and it could be the voice of the enemy. Mm-hmm. And it, and right after I heard that voice, another voice said, "Stop editing, get up and go to your go to your office." I mean, so I just got up and I walked to my office. Go to your bookcase, and I walked to my bookcase. Read that book. It was that clear. I had that kind of direction. I pulled mm-hmm. out this book. It was a. It was a book on Egyptology that someone had given me a year earlier, and they came to me and said, I think you need to read this book. And I, I said, thank you. I looked at it, I put it on my bookcase. <laughs> and a year later, when I'm sitting here, all of a sudden I'm directed to this book. I open it up, and the very location I had visited that year, this book was talking about. And that's mm-hmm. when I saw evidence for Joseph and his family. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And that that began the beginning of this investigation, and then that was in two thousand, I think it was in two thousand two or three, so right around that time. Mm-hmm. And and now it's two thousand nineteen. So you can see, but I ended up having to go on a long twelve year investigation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to make that first film. Thank you for doing uh, that. That, I mean, that's not easy, and it, it you know probably would be easier not to do it. But I'm so glad you did. Yeah. It that's benefits it. so very many of us you out see, here. See, that just proves the journey of 12 years begins with a single book. And there you go. It sounds like a Chinese saying somehow. Uh, yeah, I, I adapted it, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Tim. Uh, so these years well, you've been doing that, uh, uh, and the Exodus was first examined, and now you've come to this question about the – uh, the authorship of the Torah, the dependent to the first yeah. five books, uh, Moses' authorship. I'm so glad you're doing this uh, because our audience needs to know it. And you, what I've kind of gotten a picture of, and I don't want to jump the gun here, but as I watch the movie, what uh, what I seem to have ga- ga- gathered, and I want to check it out with you, is that frankly, the people who are going with the JEPD theory and the multiple authorship and uh, over time and so on. They're really, uh, they're 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 really very. One of the, one of the problems with it is they're very far behind. Uh, they they haven't stayed up with the most recent developments and understandings of the linguistics of the uh, authorship oh, and so Sophie, on. There's our music. Tim, so, hang on. Hang. Can you you can hang with us, Tim? Can uh, oh, absolutely. You're we're so <laughs> glad you're here. We're talking with Tim Mahoney. He's the uh, producer here of this movie, Patterns of Evidence, The Moses Controversy, and it's coming to San Antonio, uh, March the 14th, that's the Thursday evening, March 16th, uh, you know, this coming Thursday, and then March 16th, the Saturday, and then next Tuesday evening, the 19th, and uh, we'll be giving you different theaters that it's going to be at, Patterns of Evidence, The Moses Controversy. And you'll want to see this film, folks. It is magnificent, and it really is helpful as believers or as anyone who's kind of interested in the truth about this great book of books we call the Bible. We'll come back in just a minute. Tim will stay with us. We'll talk about uh, the film and uh, take some of your phone calls as well and let you ask questions. 210-340-9585. Don't go away. Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. 
Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Choosing to forgive our sins and to remember them no more, our Heavenly Father frees us to move forward. Thanks for joining us for another daily encouragement from Our Daily Bread. Today's reading, titled Swept Away, was written by Patricia Rabin. When he invented the pencil eraser, British engineer Edward Nyern was reaching instead for a piece of bread. Crusts of bread were used then in 1770 to erase marks on paper. Picking up a piece of latex rubber by mistake... Nyron found it erased his error, leaving rubberized crumbs easily swept away by hand. With us, too, the worst errors of our lives can be swept away. It's the Lord, the bread of life, who cleans them with his own life, promising never to remember our sins. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, says Isaiah 43.25, and remembers your sins no more. This can seem to be a remarkable fix, and not deserved. For many, it's hard to believe our past sins can be swept away by God, like the morning mist. Does God, who knows everything, forget them so easily? That's exactly what God does when we accept Jesus as our Savior. Choosing to forgive our sins and to remember them no more, our Heavenly Father frees us to move forward. No longer dragged down by past wrongs, we're free of debris and cleaned up to serve now and forever. Yes, consequences may remain, but God sweeps sin itself away, inviting us to return to Him for our clean new life. There's no better way to be swept away. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. Middle of the night or middle of the day, you'll hear messages of God's Word from national and local hosts you know and trust all day, every day on AM630 The Word and now through your Alexa device. More at am630theword.com. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. Rap queen Cardi B and pop icon Bruno Mars have reunited for a second collaboration on the sensual single, Please Me. This slow, silky R&B jam fuses Mars' smooth vocals with Cardi B's trademark rapid-fire rap, and the song gets right to the point. Laced with provocative lyrics and tantalizing teases, sex is the only thing on anyone's mind here. Beyond that, there's not much more to say. Please Me is explicit in every, every way, and it doesn't leave much to the imagination. Trust me, this song's catchy chorus definitely isn't one that you'll want stuck in your head. For a full review of this tune, visit PluggedIn.com radio. I'm Bob Olaszewski for Focus on the Families Plugged In. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com.
You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. And I want to apologize for that music. That's what some people call Christian music. <laughs> no apology necessary, uh, Jacob. Um, we are visiting with Tim Mahoney. Tim is on the line. Where are you talking to us from, Tim? Planet Mars or? No, right now I'm uh, I'm in Washington, near Washington D.C. I'm going to be on CB, CBN uh, International broadcast tomorrow with Chris Mitchell. He's going to be talking to me from Jerusalem, uh, and then I head up to New York City for uh, a radio radio interviews okay. there. Okay, well, don't uh, get stuck in the swamp up there. You know, uh, you got to be careful. Those alligators in the <laughs> the swamp being yeah. drained, evidently that we're talking about. And before well, we good. get started, I I owe Tim an apology. Okay, what is it, Tim? Are you ready to be humbly accepting of an apology? Yes. Okay. I, when we talked previously, of course, I told you that there was a case in England where this uh, this Bible and the JPD stuff was all litigated. And I was going to get the site for you. I wrote it out and didn't bring it tonight. Maybe sometime else I'll give it to you. But uh, this this matter, it was a slander case. Uh-huh. And it was actually tried in England. When was this, uh, oh, more or less? Several years ago. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and actually, they ruled in favor of the Bible, and they basically ruled that the JPED, whatever it is, they, uh, that it was, and I'm just going to use their word, it was gibberish. And they all had their experts and that kind of thing. Anyway, I love that verdict, so I just wanted to apologize. I didn't bring the site for you, Tim, but I'll get it to you. Yeah, it seems okay. like something Tim would would like to have. That's, yeah. uh, that would be helpful for maybe in some ways what he's doing. So we've come about how you came up to speed, how you began, how you got into Israel. You you talked to people who are there, our, our archaeologists and others that have been studying the issue of the Exodus, and that then caused uh, you uh, some con, you know, a little bit of uh, heartache, a little bit of uh, uh, problematic for you. To, uh, Continue to tell us now how how you got into these themes of the Exodus and in, in particularly this one, uh, the Moses controversy in turn, in, uh, about the authorship of the first five and, books and so of the we Bible. May I interject, and Tim, when you're doing that, could you uh, explain a little bit for the audience that may not be familiar? Because I did talk to a few people today about it, and some of them said I didn't even know there was a controversy. Would you be kind enough to also address what the controversy is? Correct. Well, what happened was was that. I have been for about 17 to 18 years now uh, investigating and filming uh, uh, the investigation about the first books of the Bible, which starting with the Exodus and Moses, uh, his existence and the the Israelites living in Egypt and then uh, exiting out of Egypt and going to the Promised Land. So that first film that I made, Patterns of Evidence, the Exodus, looked for six major patterns that we could find. And that's that was what took me 12 years to make. Uh-huh. Later on, I, I realized that what we needed to do was to, to uh, go on the route of the Exodus. But I had heard uh, that from scholars that, well, once again, Moses didn't write this. It was written maybe a thousand years later by other people. And so I felt that the next part of the investigation had to raise the question, did Moses write the first books of the Bible? And if so, what would he have used to write? Because they were saying that Hebrew, the language that all Torah scrolls were written in, that the Torah scrolls are the first five books of the Bible, were written in Hebrew. So we looked for, in this new film, the controversy, if people would like to know what it is, is that almost outside of the Christian world, outside of conservative Christian uh, circles, 
many people today that are liberal Christians or uh, that are uh, scholars, archaeologists, don't believe possibly that Moses even existed, and they don't believe that he wrote the first books of the Bible. And Prin- if you principally, your child off- one of the main reasons there is because, if I understand, Hebrew was didn't exist. Is that the idea? Well, I want to interject, yeah. Tim and Soapy, if I may. May I make a suggested augmentation to what you just said, Tim? Okay. Okay. Well, here it comes. Uh, I'll say outside the Christian world, and I was listening intently, but I did not hear you say anything about the Jewish world, so let's get this in there. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, in the Jewish world, I've, I've had rabbis that have watched this film that are Reformed that are disgusted with the idea that I would suggest that Moses was a real person. Yeah. My lands. And that is the Reformed, the very liberal. But I'm assuming, like the gentleman, the rabbi, you actually have, uh, Manus Friedman, in the, in your film. I assume that most of them have no doubt that, in fact, there may be on a first-name basis with God, I understand. <laughs> but... Um, Right. Yeah. Do you know? Uh, actually, just to segue real quick, there. Uh, you know, when in the Catholic Church, when a nun takes her vows, her final vows, she actually gets married to God. You know that, right, Tim? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, there were two rabbis sitting in the back, and the priest came back and said, this, "I'm sorry, this is a private ceremony. We really don't allow guests." And the rabbi said, "It's okay. We're friends of the groom." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me see. Let me see. I've got a, I got an appropriate response to that somewhere here. There you go. That, <laughs> our rim shot is on on call for Jacob. Go ahead though. Tell tell us about you, you were t- talking about that um, this particular controversy about language. Help us to understand what the controversy yep. is again. So the controversy was that the uh, scholars and and I would say that your children and grandchildren, if they go off to university today, they're going to mm-hmm. hear. That the, that the stories of the Bible are myths, and and a lot of young people are impacted by that. So what what I wanted to do was to basically address this situation very clearly and say, okay, why are you suggesting that Moses could have written this this these first books of the Bible? And they said, well, because he did, we don't even think that Hebrew existed, and there wasn't any really way for him to write it. Uh, write the first books of the Bible. If he did, he would have had to use some form of writing uh, other than you know Hebrew. And so this film then starts to look at, was there a writing system that was at the time of the Exodus uh, in the region where the Israelites lived? Was, it, was there something that was a Semitic language? Because Hebrew, the language of the Israelites, was a Semitic language. And mm-hmm. then later we understand that it had to be alphabetic. And this is one of the most important and significant parts of this. And what we found in this film, and when you, if you can come and see this, you're going to see that, that the very first alphabet that is discovered shows up exactly at the time and in the region where the Israelites lived. Uh, it, it was a Semitic language. And uh, it, it, is it, was, it was pre-Phoenician, because uh, I think the popular yeah. idea is that, that the, the Phoenician la- were the first with an alphabet and the first with a written language that's in that wrong. sense. That's wrong. Jews are first. And that's, that's what part of what you're, you're telling us, too, is that yeah. it, part of what you're going to see, folks, when you watch the movie, is you're going to see the, the development of language and writing, and you're going to see the very latest discoveries, the latest uh, uh, understanding then of how language um, 
came to be and written language. And it is so fascinating and it is so amazing, Tim, that uh, you came across that particular approach to to the question. Uh, I found it fascinating to find. And now we do know that there was a written language. In fact, that probably Joseph... Uh, uh, who was became a a second in power in the in nation of of Egypt, uh, probably had something to do with the development of that language, uh, using Egyptian uh, the hieroglyphics and the the, the other symbol 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 ah, I can't even say it symbolology, but he uses it. It might have been J- Joseph that involved in helping to produce. That first written alphabetic language is—is is that in the ballpark? Yes, yes. In fact, uh, uh, if we think about it, uh, it's called uh, uh, Aleph Bet, uh, and I believe that those uh-huh. are two Hebrew. Uh, <laughs> you right. know, the Aleph, which uh, I mean, Jacob can speak to this more clearly. But what, the, what we're going to suggest in this film is that Joseph and his family—it is theorized that they might have been the ones who invented the very first alphabet. Now, this alphabet is the alphabet that then became the foundation of all alphabets throughout the world. It's the the most ingenious breakthrough, because with just a few letters, you could write any word in the world, any any word you create, you could create that. And I believe that this alphabet was its fundamental purpose. If we look at it, later on, Moses is able to use it to write down the very words of God, and that's what the Bible is telling us. And not only that, but the reason that was so significant is because children could learn an alphabet. And what does it say? In Deuteronomy 6, it says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, how are slaves supposed to do this? And you know what it's the name of that, what you just read is, right, uh, Tim? What is it? It's a Shema. It's a Shema. Yes, I've heard that, yes. Yeah. And and so what I think we've done here is we see, again, the films that I'm making are basically using the world's approach. The world believes in science, right? They think that science will solve all the problems. Mm-hmm. So let's take a scientific approach and say, well, what is the Bible saying, and can we find, using the scientific approach, evidence for the, the for the truth of the Bible. But one of the problems you had was that uh, the, the, popularly at least, the language did not come to exist until around, what was it, 500 B.C. or more? Uh, but it was... You're it talking was, about the Hebrew? Uh, well, the, the popular notion is that written language didn't come to that extent available till much later than the writing of the Torah, the time of, around the 1450, 1400 before Christ. And so uh, so that meant that Moses could not have done it. it, it, it am I right in that? Well, that's the popular well, the, the Popular notion, and before you have uncovered that, frankly, they discovered that that actually there were written language before that, and you discovered other yep. evidences for it, even even yeah. apart from the scriptures, right? Right, and what we're saying is that the ability to write in an alphabetic way mm-hmm. existed from the time of Joseph, hunt, hunt, you know, you know, probably. 900 years prior to when they thought the Torah was written. And what we're going to show is that the the letters of this first... I've shown these letters to people that are uh, Hebrew scholars, and they say they can read them. They can read the root words. So there is a connection 
the history of this alphabet we're going to show to the audience matches the history of the Israelites more than any other other mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it the, migrates from Egypt. It goes to Israel. Yep. You know, I, I read you, you mentioned that that particular Pharaoh that was in power at the time of uh, Joseph. Uh, my oldest yes. son went to Stanford, and I spent a lot of time out. I'd go visit him and attend his classes with him and so on. And and one of the things I remember is that I, he took a number of classes. There was one class he took about uh, uh, about Egypt and about the history of the world in that era and that time. And if I remember correctly, I, I'm not sure if this comes out in your film, but I'm wondering if it's, it's something that you uh, noticed, is that the Pharaoh during the time of Joseph – was from a certain um, family, that, a dynasty. I, I, I've forgotten the word. Uh, he, 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 the haiku, haiku, uh, uh, some word. But uh, in other words, he. In fact, uh, one of the reasons it is supposed that that perhaps he and jo- Joseph got along so well because he was himself a Canaanite uh, in background uh, with Semitic language hmm. and so on. And and he only lasted that it was during the reign of uh, Joseph. I mean, they just said. Remember, it says a, a a Pharaoh rose up that did not know Joseph. Uh, but but that Pharaoh, that particular Pharaoh, was one who had a common. There was a some sense of a common cultural or maybe even linguistic tie with mm-hmm. Joseph and his family coming out of Canaan. Well, actually, and that so created if, that if special may, relationship that, that they could have That was had. the one, and Tim may know more about this than I, but that was the one. It's uh, Heiko, Heikos. I the Heikos, it, yes, yeah. the Heikos dynasty. Uh, I think yeah. that's what you're referring to. But the, uh, at that time, that was the one segmented period. It was a, isn't it? It was mm-hmm. a bracketed period. Mm-hmm. Where they had actually tried to turn the Egyptians, I think because of Joseph's influence, into having only one God. Of course, when this new pharaoh rose, they did away with that because mm-hmm, they knew mm-hmm. better. Uh, <laughs> but, they knew better. Huh? Okay. Hey, listen, could we uh, – we've got some phone calls. Sure. Tim, would you take a phone call or something? Yeah, okay. All right. Let's let him uh, visit. And, and, but, Tim, anything that along the line here that you feel like you really need to tell us and share, don't worry. You just take the initiative and go ahead and talk to us about it, okay? Let's go okay. and bring up uh, – uh, let me see what I've got to do. Jo- John, come here. The... Make sure I don't uh, – Yeah, let's not, sure let's not lose that. Tim. Is it already done? Okay, so I can go ahead and hit number two. Okay, let's go and visit with uh, Harold is on the line with us. Hi, Harold. How are you tonight? Hi, Tim. Or Soapy Dollar first, I guess. Uh, oh, yeah, go good. ahead and visit with Tim. Ask him your question, Harold. Hi, Tim. How are you doing tonight? I, I do feel like I know you a little bit. I haven't seen the movie uh, of Moses, but I have seen some things on The Exodus. And uh, I've heard some things uh, that you said, obviously. One of the things that struck a chord with me was when you were talking about your family and your family history with religion and Christianity. And one of the things you said that reminded me of my own grandmother was when you said that your grandmother carried her Bible around all the time wrapped with rubber bands. And I said, (laughs) man, that's, that's, you know, my grandmother lived to be 101 or two, and she carried that Bible everywhere, and towards the end, maybe 95, uh, she had it sitting next to her on the table. And, you know, that was something to see and grow up with, you know. You know, when we were kids, you know, 
at grandma's house, she couldn't even watch TV or turn on Hee Haw or nothing. <laughs> it's a po- powerful way. influence, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. So I like to just ask one thing since I haven't seen that. Uh, I did notice um, something you had said. I saw a YouTube video, and it was very interesting to me about the Book of Psalms, and especially Psalms 104. You may recall where where that psalm was supposed to be a hymn for Aten, Aten, and yes. then it was a tribute to the Egyptian pharaoh Akhenaten. Yes, and that pharaoh started or wanted to focus on one belief in one God. And so that was a whole series you had there, and I really enjoyed uh, listening to that. And, you know, I don't really need, like, evidence, but what I think about is what's good about what you're doing and things that I've seen that you've done is for the younger people. I mean, you know, I want to know it all, honestly. And I like what you're doing and everything. But the younger people, like my own son, 25, if you don't have it at the end of that finger on that phone, the answer right now, or see something real quick, and that's what your films do and your lectures do, it's right there. Mm. And that's what I wanted to say about it. You know, that's the positive side that I want to say about it. Thanks, Harold. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad you, you called yeah. in with that. Let, let's let uh, let's let Tim respond to that if you'd like, Tim. And also, uh, just go ahead and talk a little bit more about this 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 aspect of the historicity of the development of language. It seems to me that's one of the principal points of your movie as well. Oh, Tim? Oh, oh, he's there. What I, I did you do, go, Tim. go ahead. What did I do? I'll, no, I'm still I'll, here, but I can hang up. Okay. I, I wanted Tim to be able to respond well, to you as well, Harold. Thank you for calling. Okay. Well, I'll just right, share bye-bye. with you that, that one of the big questions was, is the chronology of films we have something called the wall of time and so yeah. the, the thing that i've been exploring is that uh is that uh, uh, when we hear about this 104 psalm a lot of people are saying well you see the bible borrowed uh ideas from other cultures and in that particular case that 104 psalm was one reason why i felt that we had to look at the chronology and uh, as david roll who is in the first film has communicated he believes that he proved that uh, that there are the chronology is off in Egyptian history, and I've talked to other scholars who said yes, we don't know, uh, you know, for sure, certain a number of things, and that psalm and that pharaoh potentially, if this chronology was to shift forward in time, uh, would then make that pharaoh a contemporary with David, so that David would have influenced that pharaoh. Mm-hmm. With, and David's that psalm would have come at that time. That's one reason why I've I've championed the idea of revisiting the question of chronology, and that's what we have in the first film. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, that's I found to my surprise that some people, even Christians, have been more upset that we've suggested there might be something wrong with the chronology than that a lot of mainstream scholars saying that the Bible isn't true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've gotten more more upset about you know challenging the chronology than than the fact that the Bible has been challenged. Well, you know, and, no no good deed goes unpunished. So I I guess that goes yeah. along with that saying. Because well, obviously they've worked hard to to build their you know their the way that things should be, and, and I want to listen to it all. All I sure. want to know is what the truth is. Because the, uh, Harold's twenty five year old son, my children. And my grandchildren and, mm-hmm. and all of this next generation, mm-hmm. uh, if they're being told this is a fairy tale, we've got to come up with some answers. You bet. Uh, 
and and that's the reason why I'm I'm just trying to find out what is the truth, where are the patterns of evidence that support the historical credibility of the Bible, because already the Bible has been told by the mainstream that it's guilty, and what we're doing is we're, we're giving it a second chance to basically testify. And for some people, they're saying, listen, Tim, I don't need to have uh, anything. The Bible, I accept it just for the way it is. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's a lot of young doubting Thomases and doubting uh, Tammies out there, uh-huh. and, and they need some help. And I don't think God has a problem with us asking questions. I remember a man named Thomas that didn't believe Jesus rose from the grave, but uh, Jesus appears and he pulls out Thomas and he said, Thomas, come on, come on, stick your hand in my side, touch the wounds in my hands. In other words, he doesn't discourage question asking uh, at all. And so I think it's important what you're doing, and and it's so exciting because – uh, the answers are very, very positive and supporting to the idea, not only the historicity and the accuracy and the legitimacy of the claims and of, of, of the, the book that we hold in our hands, the way it came to us, but it, it points to uh, supernatural sourcing. God was at work re- taking, uh, revealing himself, stepping into time and space in the, in the, through these individuals, Joseph and Moses and others that – and, and working in and through their lives to reveal himself to humanity. Uh, it it's, it's all falls in line with what we understand, but we do need to stay updated uh, it, as we're learning and looking into the past. That's one of the things that I got from your uh, movie, Tim, was that it seems to me what you've done principally is that you uh, you just don't go back and you know, the JEPD theory, or I forget what they call it exactly, but... Documentary hypothesis. The documentary, the documentary hypothesis, yeah. yeah so. Is that you, what you've done is you've updated, and what the people who still tend to that, the, the mistake they're making is that they're 100 years behind. They're, they haven't stayed up mm-hmm. with... The, the discoveries of archaeology and of linguists, um, philologists who have who study the development of languages and so on, they have fallen right. behind in that area, and and they're they're the ones that are behind. You're coming to us and revealing to us some of the most recent developments on that on that on that score that help that reflect onto the legitimacy and the accuracy and the reliability of the scriptures. And I. It's just magnificent what you're doing, and I, it's so exciting to watch it. I, the, the only trouble I had is a little bit, and maybe you've had this asked to you before, you, you kind of get in the deep weeds. In other words, you don't just handle this in a shallow, quick way. You really let people get into the controversy. You, you interview scholars who are on the other side of the controversy, and you go into depth about the the details of these discoveries is that a little do you think that might be a little bit deep in the weeds or i wonder how the normal listener might sit for a little over 2 hours the movie uh, any thought that about if people if people have the patience anymore to listen to the this kind of a presentation well, that- well, that's the reason why we have an intermission. <laughs> the movie has an intermission. Does and, it? Okay. Uh, well, yeah, the movie minutes. has an intermission. Yeah. Yep, a twelve-minute intermission. And and I'll tell you one thing is that is that if I don't, if I, the problem is serious. The consequences for not believing are serious. Jesus yes. said this: "For if you believed Moses, you would believe me." 
for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? That's, That's right. from John chapter 5, verses 46 and 47. So mm-hmm. the consequences of Moses's, Moses not being who he says he is, or not, not writing, is that it impacts the entire uh, scriptures all the way through. And later on, uh, in Romans, uh, here's an important thing. I think, and my premise, and my theory is this, I believe that God gave us the gift of the alphabet for one primary purpose, so that we could retain the knowledge of God through time and history, mm-hmm. and that you and I can read what Moses was told from God. And what Isaiah was told, and what Jeremiah was told, and what David was told. And those words, then, are, are words that are living. And later on, what does it say? It says, in the beginning was, was the, the word. word. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking of the same thought. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Yeah, and they, and uh, Tim, may I ask you, I've watched, I, I listen, I've watched the lectures from Yale, from her. Oh, Sophie, is that the music? Yeah, go ahead and ask uh, your question, though. We'll, uh, okay, we'll but I've noticed, the and I've, I've, you know, I've, rest, I've listened to 25, 30 hours of all these lectures from different universities, Harvard, Yale, University of Michigan, and California, where there's a couple guys. But the point is, is that the one thing I've heard them say, the first thing that must be ruled out in their analysis is the supernatural. So uh, if you can wait for a minute till we come back, I'd like you to think about what your rationale, what your thought is, why the first thing they do is throw out the rule of supernatural. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we'll be right back. Don't go away. We'll continue with Tim Mahoney. This is The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back. Our final segment tonight, we have a very special guest. His name is Tim Mahoney. He's the uh, producer of a new movie called Patterns of Evidence. It's the second in this series. The first had to do with the Exodus. Patterns of Evidence, this one facing the Moses controversy, the controversy or the ideas behind the authorship of the Torah. Uh, Was it Moses? Was there a written language sufficiently developed for Moses to have done that, to have written that book? And of what Tim is doing in his great, great movie called The Moses Controversy is that he's updating us on the very latest developments and discoveries uh, by philologists, uh, uh, linguists, and of archaeology talking about how language developed and right. bringing it up to date that it is a great possibility. And, and so, Tim? Well, well Sophia, before we go there, I want to mention one thing. Tim, uh-huh. are you there? Tim is there, uh-huh. Tim? Hello, yep. Tim? Yep. Yeah, okay. I'm here. Say, and as you say in the documentary hypothesis, I have watched uh, the lectures from Yale, from U of M, uh, from uh, Harvard, and uh, one of the darlings has picked up the Wellhausen theory these days. And I've got to say, in his lectures... One of the honest comments he makes is, he says to everybody, the first thing we do is have to absolutely throw out anything supernatural. And the reason I kind of thought you might like to address that, at least I'd like to hear Mm -hmm. it, is because what Sophie just said was you're talking about the development of the alphabet. I'm going to say a lot of people of just fundamental faith 
don't think it's necessary to prove the development of an alphabet. God probably had the alphabet for those that people that believe that when he gave it to Moses. And so for them, I think it's illegitimate for them to throw out the supernatural aspect. But I've said enough. What do you think? Well, I think the question, I have some scholars who, uh, who see the historical credibility of the history of the Israelites, like Egyptologist David Rowe. He's an agnostic, but he has a real di- difficult time with the supernatural. And I think what ends up happening, and I'm going to read you a verse in Romans, and it goes, and it's in Romans chapter 1, verse 19. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. I think that after a while, uh, people start to basically have their thinking futile and their hearts become darkened. And guess what? I think there's a a sort of a a sense of willful rebellion Mm -hmm. against against, uh, a different people who have decided that I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to believe in the miraculous, or I can't. There are other people that are probably just trying to be scientific and saying, how in the world can water be parted? And how in the world could these things happen? Mm-hmm. They are honest questions that people have, but I do think that there are there are clues within Scripture that tell us that if you sort of put this away, eventually what it says is that, uh, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't write that. I'm just telling you what the Apostle Paul wrote 2,000 years ago. And and what is observable in history, that this process that Paul outlines there in the book of Romans, we we can we have been able to see that in throughout history, through different cultures and different societies and empires that rose and fell, we've been able to see yeah. that process carried out, actually. So And I'm I'm curious about one thing, Tim, and I know we're probably getting a little lean on the time here. But if somebody were to ask you, Tim, what is it that you would really like people to walk away from your movie and have with them as they're done? What would you like them to have? The thing that I came away from it was this, was that, was that I realized that, that in order for Moses to have written, he had to have, he could have written, in, like they say, Egyptian hieroglyphs or some other writing form, like cuneiform, uh, uh, but he didn't. Uh, I think he wrote in a simplified alphabet. But why is that important? Who cares what he wrote it? It's important because it wasn't about the writing. It was about the reading. It was about the reading. It was about Mm -hmm. the fact that that the Israelites were supposed to teach these commands. It says, you know, he says, the words I've commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Write them on the doorposts of your home. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, you got it. And we talked about that earlier. I believe that why it's so significant is that this alphabet was like the railroad tracks of information, that the train of who God is went to throughout the nations. And, and, and that's exactly what history bears out. There is no other book, the books of the Bible, no other book comes anywhere close to being published like the Bible. The Bible then was, those, that alphabetic understanding was then transferred through, to all sorts of languages around the world because of the gift of an alphabet. 
Tim, I have to. Uh, 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 we've taken so much of your time. You've been so generous to give our city and our, our, our listeners a chance to hear these things. Thank you so much. Uh, but I don't want to keep you all, all through the evening. But I do want to ask one thing: is that my fundamental view of the way Moses wrote the Torah? And the way it came to us was somehow uh, changed as I watched the film. I wanted to find out if you uh, – am I on the right track? Am I, is it logical to think as, as I take away from the movie that, frankly, what happened is that not only did Moses have the tools because of uh, the, the development of the written language and an alphabet, uh, starting with Joseph and the, the, the setting that you described beautifully there in your movie – that the potential and possibility of it, but the, the, when Moses wrote, he was writing uh, most probably. I'm guessing he was writing in that very sort of fundamental uh, opening version of, of the written language. It would be natural natural then to suppose that as the as this book is uh, written. Over and over again, as it is, begins to be copied with, with the uh, the Greek version, uh, you know, the Greek copy, and so on, and so on. That one of the dynamics of the copying and the the passing on of the transmission of these writings was the fact that the language it too was in transition. That it was it was growing and expanding and developing even as the the. Uh, these writings were being passed forward. So those two processes were going on at the same time. Is that an accurate understanding of maybe as the Scriptures came from Moses' hand and as they were written down by these children and these families, is that, a, is that an accurate way to understand the process of transmission? Well, I think the takeaway in this is that is that what we see, and I believe that God, you know, divinely gave Moses, uh, just as Scripture claims, uh, the commands and, and communicated. Moses was able to gather from the beginning, from Genesis all the way through these first five books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And as the, other, as, the, as the other books were coming along, what we know is that, is that they were writing down what they were told, uh, and, uh, uh, as God commanded. And I believe that, uh, that we do know that over time, this language... Uh, uh, this writing system improved, yes. and, uh, and and then, like in the beginning, there weren't vowels, uh, and over time, the vowels were added, and it became more clear, and the shapes of the letters changed as well. You're going to see that in the film, but well, this film that's going to be March 14th, 16th, and, and, and 19th in your area uh-huh. is uh, and throughout throughout the country. It's in 950 theaters. is is going to I think really encourage people. Uh, they're going to see scenes of Moses receiving the Ten Commandments, and this whole story is going to I think really encourage them, uh, the audience, that God's word uh, is very important and very significant. And I believe when I got done making this film, and I realized how valuable this was, and the fact that it was given to us. And I think we have an alphabet for one reason. I think it's so that we know God's Word. The main reason, I think, is is so that we would know who God is, and that we would record His testimonies. And I'm going to be working on another film now. I'm working on it called The Red Sea Miracle. And I had to know, was this an eyewitness account? Mm-hmm. And was you know because as I'm going to go to the campsites and we're going to look at the the information about the sea parting, uh, but I believe that your audience 
uh, that's listening tonight is going to be encouraged to see that that God gave us a, a tool that's so powerful that it hasn't changed in 4,000 years, and, and it's the alphabet, and it's spread throughout the world, and alongside, right behind it spread uh, the Bible. Well, Jacob, thank mm-hmm. you for taking the initiative to call Tim and get in touch. And, Tim, you're, thanks for being faithful to this call on your life, uh, this, uh, to, to follow it and to do the work. Uh, you've been a great servant and a blessing to all of us. We'll look forward to the movie Patterns of Evidence, The Moses Controversy. Is that going to be on any theater in <clears throat> San Antonio? So? On the 14th, ah. Thursday of this week. On the 16th, it's coming Saturday. And on the 19th, next Tuesday, it'll be at the Regal Alamo Quarry Theater, the Embassy 14 Santicos Theater. It'll be at Cinemax uh, McCreelis Market Theater and the Live Oak Theater on, on Pat Booker. You'll be able to go to the uh, Internet, Patterns of Evidence, the Moses Controversy, uh, and I think that you can look up the um, theater schedules as well, the times at uh, those different uh, theaters this coming week. But again, Tim, we're so blessed, so thankful for you. We, we uh, have you in our prayers, and uh, just may God lead you as you go on this yeah. new adventure, this new project talking about the Red Sea uh, incident. Uh, it's going to be a blessing to all of us. I, I, I'm so glad you're doing it, Tim. Thank you very much. Yeah, Tim, thank you very much, and we'll be in touch. Okay, thank you, Paul. Thank you. Bye-bye thank now. You, brother. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good to visit with him tonight. What a blessing. And uh, totally in line with our our program, The Bible Live. Uh, we want to talk about all things biblical, how these this great book of books, uh, not only reading it to you, the very book itself, every weeknight, but we want to answer questions about it. And, and uh, I know there's a new generation. You have new questions and new thoughts about it, the reliability, the historicity, the accuracy uh, of this book of books and uh, this movie. Well, I think they sum it up fairly a, easily. Be a great help. It's not true. Yeah, there's nothing. All everything you just said is summed up very simply. Almost nobody reads it. Mm-hmm. I I've been reading that only like three percent read it regularly. Mm-hmm. So even among believers, uh, so sad we, to say, so you can almost tell anybody anything about the Bible anymore. And what I find fascinating is, you know, we're all ninety second experts. Uh, I go somewhere and somebody hears something for the first time, and then they'll suddenly, before they finish their answer, become an expert on it. Mm-hmm. And they've never even heard it before. But what I find fascinating is, and I hate to say this, but the the illiteracy of what's mm-hmm. going on. And we all talk about the illiteracy. And I find that very few people are spending a time reading this stuff. It's sort of like, and if indeed uh, Moses did not write it, and as uh, Tim Mahoney said, even Jesus quotes Moses several times. Because over 70% of uh, what Jesus says comes from the book of Deuteronomy. And that's fascinating. He, and he even says, you got um, you believe Moses, believe me. Mm-hmm. So assuming that Jesus did not get misled, and I don't think that would be palatable for any Christian, in that case, well, if it's wrong from the beginning, then the rest of it's wrong too. Mm-hmm. And that can be devastating and very disillusioning for any person of faith. Mm-hmm. And I find it fascinating. The only way to combat these folks that seem to want to say there's contradictions and that kind of thing is you have to know, number one, their argument. Number two, how to respond. And I found if you really do know, you can have a dialogue. You bet. But I think you brought up a very, very important point as well, is that if you enter into a discussion 
a priori with the idea that the supernatural is impossible and just does not happen, then there's no way. I mean, you, you, mm-hmm. you're, you've got a closed mind. You'll never, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And so if you've made that decision in your mind that the, the supernatural just does not happen in anything, that, then, then you'll never be open. But, but, but the idea is that God has intervened, the creator himself. Has stepped into time and space yeah, and to I reveal limit himself. My question, and I he has get, acted. That's right. If I phrase and limit my question, I will get the answer that I want to get. <clears throat> For example, one of the primary—I'm <clears throat> avoiding his name—but the primary darling of one of this, these, this position, this documentary hypothesis, he talks about different words not appearing. I've gone back and I've looked at real scholars that look where he said, "Oh, this word didn't, does not appear in Genesis." And they find 14 places where it appears. And I wonder, where's this guy saying it's not there? And I'm wondering, what is going on? And I, I got so curious about the guy, I started looking him up in his background to see what I could find because I was wondering if there's some problem in his personal life that he has this need. And I'm supposed to believe him and forget 4,000 years well, just, of Jewish history? Just as in our time, there's a lot of talk about fake news. Mm-hmm. There ought to be a lot of talk about fake, fake science, too. Yeah, the, yeah. Sometimes uh, these people have a, an opinion. A priori, they've rejected God, rejected the me- the message of God, now, the I message of redemption. I know what a priori means, but I'm going to guess there's not many Latin speakers out there. What okay. does that mean? Uh, it means beforehand. Before even you uh, d- examine the evidence, you've made the decision uh, beforehand, a priori. If I limit my question, I will get the answer I want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The supernatural yeah. does not exist, so therefore... You know, but what's even fascinating to me is, aside from the supernatural, I find these scholars, that, and I've, I've engaged in conversations with <clears> a number <throat> of them, and I find they don't catch the story. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a quick quick example. Uh, coming out of Egypt. Egypt in Hebrew is Mitzrayim. Uh, it's uh, boundaries, boundaries of sin, in other words. They're coming out of the boundaries, and they're called the children of Israel. Okay, so we got that. And they go through the parting of the waters, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And there's two miracles. There, one. If you look closely at the literature in the Bible, it says there's the parting of the waters and then dry land. And if the land was still muddy, then God couldn't quite accomplish parting <laughs> that water. But the point is, most Christians will say, oh, well, that's like a baptism. Okay, let's say it is a baptism. But I would like to suggest another uh, paradigm. Well, in the New Testament, it kind of uses the likeness of going through the waters. They talk about in, in, as a baptism. Uh, it, I think in the book of Hebrews it talks well, about it. Yes, but there's something else going on. There's mm-hmm. a story there. There's mm-hmm. a motif. Anybody knows that when a woman's going to give birth, the first thing that happens is the water breaks. Mm-hmm. So the children come through the canal, and they're on the other side. And then what happens? We have the Shekinah, or the Shekinah and, and that sort of leads people right over to the mountain of God where Daddy lays down the law, mm-hmm. you see? Mm-hmm. So there's a motif here. Exactly. There's a story, many, many different levels, like an onion coming through the layer. But the the same redemptive story, the redemptive uh, presentation of the redemptive plan of God to humanity through using men and women like Moses, like Joseph, uh, like the, the nation of Israel, and others as well used in this process of revelation that God stepping into time and space and revealing himself and his 
the truth about humanity, the truth about our world, and the redemptive plan of God. And it's 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 beautiful, it's powerful, and it is the the amazing thing about it. It's not only beautiful and powerful on a spiritual level, but it takes place in history. It takes place in the real world. Like Tim just quoted that passage, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, was with God, yes. the Word was God. And then he said, but the Word became flesh. Right. That's John one fourteen. Yeah, exactly. And, and now, so that's, what does that mean to you? <clears throat> it means that, that, that God revealed himself then in I, our I'm world. I'm going to tell you how I take it became from, a, flesh. from an ancient <clears throat> Jewish perspective. Okay. okay? I'm going to say the word. I, I don't. I'm not a big fan of the Greek, but uh, the word is Torah, mm-hmm. and God. And I think the Torah became flesh. In other mm-hmm. words, He didn't break any laws because He was the law. Mm-hmm. The way I read this, and people could disagree with me, but it's me against, mm-hmm. against the Jews, and I, at least for me. And so I think that it's saying the Torah became a living being, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just the word in the sense of it's a word word, but mm-hmm. it's also the word as a mean, meaning. Because if I translate word back to Greek, it's logos. If I go back, word is davim, which is the Torah, the word of God. And God created the worlds right. with a word. He does. <laughs> and I'd like to talk about the alphabet real quick because sure. if God, and I, my grandson is in a Jewish school and they teach the kids this, mm-hmm. um, if God spoke the world into being, that means to speak, you must have words. words. And if you have words, you must have an alphabet. And so, therefore, your very first letter of the Hebrew is silent. That's the line between the mystical, the spiritual, if you like, into the physical, the mundane. This first letter in the Torah is a B sound, barashi, so it's a B sound. So the first audible letter you can actually hear is the sound. And so, therefore, God could speak, which indicates that he had to have the alphabet and the words to speak it into being. How about that? That's great. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm saying amen, brother. Preach on. Uh-huh. I'm with you. Well, we didn't get to a lot of discussion of the Gospel of did Luke. Did you notice that, too? Yeah, I did. Yeah, but that's yeah. all right. I mean, we, 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 what we did was, I, I believe, what we needed to do. Uh, but uh, the Gospel of Luke, we read this last week, Luke chapters 8 through 20. And it was just full of, of great, great stories. Some of them uh, we've heard a bit about from the other uh, Gospels that we've read already, Matthew and Mark. But a lot of it was original as well with Luke, this uh, this historian par, par excellence. He was a, a historian of first class. He gives dates. He gives times. He gives descriptions and names. Well, let's and, just take um, one quick one. Mm-hmm, okay, let's go. we got a couple minutes. Look at your, uh, your question number uh, – 35. Okay. What is it? I don't. Oh. Let me see the question uh, here. I've got it in front of me. Uh, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Uh, remember the in his last week of life, Jesus returned to Jerusalem. Yeah. And he they was confronted by the religious leaders there. They put a coin in front of him. They said, oh. whose image is on that? Right. And should we, uh, what was the question? Um, should we pay tribute? Or should we pay tribute to to? Uh, is Caesar or not? So and why, was that was that the idea that trapped Jesus into either being pro Caesar? Yeah, they were hoping Jesus would say, "Do not pay the Romans," and that would make him a traitor to Rome. Or if you pay the Romans, it makes the Jews think he's bad because he's there saying, you. "Pay the it's Romans." It's a no-win proposition. Uh-huh. But Jesus says the famous line, which you have there: "Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs now, to God." What in the world is he talking about? 
May I, and on the interest of mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. I'm going to suggest the answer. Yes. Jesus knows the Torah. He may be the Torah according to the Christian mm-hmm. thought. And so, if that's the case, he's quoting the law. What is the law on found property? You return it to the owner. <laughs> so he's quoting the Torah. He's saying, oh, well, I'll give to God what belongs to him, but this coin obviously belongs to somebody that's got his face on it. <laughs> well, go give it to him. You found somebody else's property. Go give it to them. I've never heard that. That's well, a way to, see, to look at you it. You can actually unravel everything uh-huh. in the Gospels mm-hmm. by if you know the Torah and the laws. And Jesus did. I and he connected, he and, as, and as, as you, you taught me, up. and I've listened and learned from you so much, that he was entirely and totally a, Jew, a Jewish man, a devoted Jewish uh, a believer in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he knew his Bible. And so much of what he says can be traced directly to passages of Scripture, as you said, mainly the book of Deuteronomy, I guess, and uh, from the Torah. But What a great, great, great answer. I like that very much. Well, that's what we have for you tonight, the Gospel of Luke. We're going to continue through it. And the Gospel of Soapy. Jacob and Tim Mahoney. <laughs> Tonight, that's what we've featured. But we'll be going back now this week. We'll finish up the Gospel of Luke, and then we'll be going back to the book of first and, books of First and Second Samuel. Wow. We finished up with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, and now we'll pick up at First and Second Samuel. How much time these do we have books right now, of Sophie? history. We have about uh, two, minutes, two minutes, three minutes. Yeah. Real quick, you know, I'm not going to mention any names, but you know the Holocaust survivor that you know. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in his 90s, mm-hmm. and he's had been having a tough time. Name is Bill. Okay. We love him. Okay, well, we love let, you, Bill. Let, let me tell you what's part of what's going on. He's had a tough time because of what's gone in Congress this last year, mm-hmm. this last week. And he says, and he says the most poignant thing to me. Oh, I should pronounce the G because it drives people crazy if I pronounce the G. So poignant. He says the same poignant. <laughs> poignant, uh, but, yes. Uh, but the point is <clears throat> that the poignant is that uh, he says, I, in my lifetime, I never thought I would see the same thing happening again in America that happened in Poland because that's where he's from and where he was in the camps. He spent six years in the camps, lost 70 members of his family. He went in at 10, got uh-huh. out of it at 16. Uh-huh. Anyway, and, he, and I said, what do you mean? He said, he said, it starts when the government won't stop people like the Muslim ladies in Congress saying that the Jews are the ba- ba- babies of Benjamin, and I know we're out of time. But he touched me when he said, I never thought I would live in my age to see it again. Uh-huh. In America. And, and, mm. Anyway, so I do want to say this. What? You should always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. Amen goes there. Thanks, folks, for joining us. We'll see you next Sunday night. Listen to the Bible live this coming week, every weeknight, 930, here on this great station. God bless. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. 
You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.